Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about financial freedom and meaningful success. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Rob Cook. Rob is a CPA and CFP fiduciary financial advisor and the host of Contenders Wanted podcast. You can reach Rob at the Contenders Wanted website, LinkedIn, or send him an email, and I'll include all of those links in the description. Welcome, Rob. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Well, thank you for the invitation, Linda. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be great. I am too, and I have a confession to make, and that is when I read your bio and I saw the words fiduciary financial advisor. This little scene from Mary Poppins just popped into my head where Michael is at the bank and they're trying to convince him to invest his tuppence. To be mm-hmm. specific in the Dawes, Tomes, Mousley, Grubs, Fidelity, Fiduciary <laughs> Bank. And that song has been running through my head for days. So thank you for that. But I thought it might be appropriate to kind of use that as a segue into our topic. And that is that Mr. Banks, he was really good at working at his job and trying to be successful and making money and prestige and all of those kinds of things. But in the process, he lost sight of some of the things that matter most, like his relationships, his family, his children. And I love that you kind of give a more comprehensive definition of success. A lot of people, they think of success and money are equivalent. And I believe that money is a component, but not the sum total of success. So do you want to explain what success means to you? Yeah. Oh, there's so many different things that we could talk about, honestly, when you talk about the full meaning of the word success. Um, To kind of build off of what you were already saying, though, for me, money is a tool. It is part of the equation, of course, but it's just one of your variables in the equation for success. Um, but it does get an inordinate amount of focus, uh, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think the, the part that I think we all miss is the fact that money, if it's not the end-all be-all, and it becomes the tool, it becomes the tool to create what is really actual success, right? You can use money to enhance your relationships in certain ways. You can use money to create time or space to pursue other things that you find more passion or excitement in or, um, you know, ways you can give back, you know, whatever it might be. It just amplifies your ability to do those other things. It is not the end-all be-all. And to your point, so often we get almost obsessed in this pursuit of the wealth aspect of success that we forget what the purpose of all the wealth was. For me, when I think of success, I don't just think of success. I call it meaningful success. I like that. Because if I remember meaningful at the beginning of that, what it means to me is it reminds me that, oh, by the way, success actually has to mean something. It has to actually have a purpose. It has to actually do good in the world beyond just, I am the man. I have become whatever it is, the thing that I wanted Um, In my head, real success always has an element of selflessness, of sacrifice, of giving back. Um, No, in my head, to truly be successful, it cannot be a selfish endeavor. And it cannot be something that's just focused on me, 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 me all the time and what I want and what I'm going to get. It has to be an element of I'm pursuing these things for XYZ purposes or I'm pursuing these things for the benefit of ABC groups of people, or I'm doing this so that I can give back to my family, my, my children, my friends, my 
local community, my charitable organization, whatever it might look like. But for me, that's what it means. Success is not meaningful unless it's selfless and unless you're using all these other inputs for the purpose of something higher. That is beautiful. And I think a lot of people feel that way and some people don't. But let's kind of talk about for the people who are are on board with us. One of the comments you've made so many interesting and beautiful comments, but one of them was that things that money can do for you. And you said money can buy time. And I like to talk about that just a little bit because it's true and it's not true because actually we can't buy time. We all have the same amount of time, but it is so true that if all of our time is spent trying to make money, or if we don't make very much money per hour, and so more of our hours are spent in time, it does feel, and in all applications is true, that money can buy time. Uh, For example, if you have money to hire out a project versus having to do it yourself, that frees up some of your time. Perfect example. And um, I, I have neighbors who they both work jobs, not just 40 hours, but, you know, good 60, 80 hour jobs, which means that they have no time to raise their kids. And so they are pawned off here and there and whatever, because they're working on, on money. And so that time with their children and time with their family is gone. So I think that our time is a valuable uh, commodity or currency that, that really matters. And that if we can use our we can earn our money in an effective way so that it doesn't require all of our time, then that is one of a huge, huge, huge benefit because then we get to choose what to do with our time rather than just say all of my time is invested in making money. And I think that's part of what investing does is trying to help get our money to work for us a little bit so it's not just always that per hour type of a situation. 100%. No, I I think that is incredibly important. I think two two different points here that you kind of touched on. There's this idea that, you know, money can buy time when you're working, uh, you know, perspective. And then this whole idea of investing. Those are almost two different things that require two different skill sets to manage well, in my opinion. Um, So like, for example, while you're still working, one of the things I was thinking about while you're talking is this idea that so many of us waste a lot of our time while we are working on the hour. And so what we wind up doing is we wind up needing to spend more time or we need to get the, you know, the second job because we're not as efficient. We're not performing at our our highest level. So we're not getting paid as much as we might need to or want to uh, for life. And so you wind up needing to take that second job in order to serve, you know, support the family. Um, but, but that can all be solved by being far more efficient, learning to use your time well, being better at whatever your strengths are individually and bringing more of that to bear. So you wind up earning more. So you wind up being able to buy more time, but with the time that you're already input. I know that for, I've seen that definitely been the case in my own career as I have improved myself and increased my own um, career capital might be the best way to describe it. That's a phrase from the book. Um, so good they can't ignore me by Cal. I think it's Hal Elrod. Um, there's that piece of it, but then the second piece that you mentioned is this whole idea of investing, taking your money and learning to have it work for you. That's a huge piece of it as well, and that ultimately kind of comes back to just being a good steward of the tool that you've been given, learning to use the tool well, or getting help to be able to use the tool better, so that you can, in the words of the richest man in Babylon have the children of your children start making more money. And, you know, he's talking about money as your children, right? You know, we want your children to start working for you. Your money to start working for you, to create more money and create a small army of money 
that begins working for you so that you can eventually not have to trade your time for dollars uh, and effectively buy it back. That would be awesome to have an army of dollars working in my favor. That would be very yep. cool. So you kind of touched a little bit on your experiences and your story. So what led you to, to this kind of career and to helping people in this way? Great question. There's all sorts of different things that I could talk about here again. Um, it started a long time ago when I was a teenager. I used to work with my grandfather on his property out here in California. He lived on 10 or so acres, and so nothing huge. It wasn't like he had a giant farm or anything, but it was big enough for him that he always wanted some help during the summer to cut down weeds, fix fences, paint stuff, um, trim trees, you know, all that sort of stuff around the property. And so as a kid, I'd work with him during the summers, and at lunch, we'd go to Carl's Jr., and we'd drive in the truck, and we'd talk. We'd take like an hour and a half, two-hour lunches together because we'd just get lost talking to each other. But as a kid, I remember... It was the first time in my life where I remember an adult talking to me about finances and money um, like an adult instead of just being the kid in the middle of the conversation who might pick up things here and there. I was 16-ish, probably, you know, somewhere between 14 and 16 years old during the majority of these conversations. And my grandfather was a fairly successful entrepreneur. wasn't like he was super wealthy, but he definitely didn't have a need. He had a little army of, of... of money working for him, right? And he would tell me stories of things that happened either in the business or his personal investments that he was making or things that he was doing. And he he would tell me stuff and he would tell me just enough so that I could understand and he'd blow my mind a little bit. And then he'd look at me across the, the bench seat in the truck and his eyes would just be twinkling a little bit like, yeah, I just kind of blew your mind, didn't I? <laughs> and, and so as a kid, these conversations started this curiosity for me into understanding money understanding finance, understanding, okay, how did so-and-so get from A to Z? What were the steps in between? What did they do? What were the strategies that they employed? How did they make that kind of money? And why did it work? Or why did it not work if it was a bad situation? Um, And so this curiosity that started as a teenager just continued to snowball and grow. Through college, I was one of those that was obsessed about figuring out my, my budget and learning how to save and getting the best, you know, Uh, getting scholarships and saving money. Like I had 10 grand in the bank account in college when I married my wife, which in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, wow, well done. But as a kid, at the time I was like, oh, I could be doing better. I could be doing better. I was just one of those incessantly always like thinking I could do better. But that was just my mentality was I'm going to figure this game out. I'm going to use this tool the best that I can. And ironically, I went off to school thinking I want to be a dentist initially. And so I majored in business so I could run my practice better, but I was doing dental school prerequisites. And then eventually realized that was not for me. Um, in the words of my wife, I, I'm six, five, these hands are too big to go into someone's mouth. And <laughs> I almost fell asleep standing while job shadowing a dentist. And I realized, okay, maybe this is not for me. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I decided I better look around and I had majored in accounting, which was a really great program at Brigham Young University, the school that I went to. And, uh, so I was already in naturally a really great place. And so I started just looking around seeing like, what could I do? And I remembered this, not remembered, I realized, you know, I, I kind of have this passion and love for personal finance and money. And I loved accounting because I could look at a, I could look at a spreadsheet that maybe had like the balance sheet or an income statement. And I could go, that's exactly what's going on with this company. Here's the A to Z. This is what's been happening year over year. This is why this is going on. And that was something that I'd always loved that I kind of first initially picked up from grandpa. That's a gift. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go into that field. And things just evolved over time, you know, things happen in your career. And I realized that 
I didn't necessarily like reporting on the past as it pertained to accounting. I didn't like having to just give my opinion on some financial statements or just prepare a tax return about stuff that had already happened. I like planning. I like helping people figure out the future. I like, once again, how do we figure out A to Z and fill in the steps in between to get you there. And so I made the transition out of accounting into wealth management a few years ago. And so I took all these lessons that I gained from my grandfather, from life in general, and now I apply them to help my clients. Because I'll admit, for me, success does have to be meaningful. And wealth is just one part of that equation. But I try to be what I call my client's financial quarterback. I sit down and I go, okay, what is actually most important to you? What is the purpose of all of this? Let us then figure out the best way to get you there. Instead of just, all right, come to my office, let me get you the best returns. This is the mutual funder index that you need. This is the allocation you need. That's just so one-sided. And that's not the purpose of the money. That's just you're transacting in my opinion, at that point. And I would rather be a meaningful player on their team as their family is trying to create success and whatever that And you let them be a player on their own team yep. rather than taking over completely. And that's huge. And also in a liability way, that way someone who makes a choice can say, oh, I did a great job and I had a great return or that didn't work out so well, but it was my choice. I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be the best situation. So I can see that beautiful in so many ways. I would love for just a second to go back to your grandfather. What an incredible example he is on all the things that we would love to be. First of all, he was successful and he owned this property and he had things to do. And he had an opportunity to provide work and experiences for you. So it not only helped himself, but it was helping you and you were helping him. And then with all this work to do, he chose that the most important thing was you. And that investment of time with these lunches of one and a half to two hours of sitting and talking and creating memories and things with you, that creates a lasting legacy that you will remember for the rest of your life. In fact, it's going to be even more important than maybe mending that fence or weeding this pasture or whatever particular jobs you were um, you were supposed to do at that time. But he prioritized you and his relationship with you above even the work that needed to be done. And I just think that that is amazing. To me, that shows a beautiful balance of the where, where money and where that financial success is a piece of the puzzle. But he never put those things ahead of you. And I think that that is amazing. You are very fortunate to be able to be tutored by such an incredible man. I was. I, I know I was, honestly. Um as I've spoken with my other cousins, so I, I'm, I'm odd in the fact that I grew up within about a five-mile radius of most of my cousins and my aunts and uncles. Nice. And we are not a small group. My mom is one of six, and I have 30 cousins. So um, we're a good-sized group, and Grandpa did this with all of us. Wow. It wasn't just really? me. Um, I wasn't just some lucky, special one, because I've spoken to multiples of my cousins, and we all talk about little instances where Grandpa and Grandma both our credits, would do stuff like this. They would single us out one-on-one and sit with us and talk with us in certain ways, whether that was working on the property or a birthday lunch or something or whatever it might be. They did this all the time. And you're right. I was incredibly blessed to be able to have such a great influence in my life. Wow. And paying that forward as you work with your clients and be able to say, let's put you in the equation. Let's talk about what your needs are and how 
increasing your finances can help you to reach your goals. That is that is quite beautiful. So your influence can reach out beyond cousins and beyond just family to anyone who comes to you for assistance. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. I think so. I think it's honestly the way things should be done. I, I look around and I feel like so often we think so short-sighted. Mm-hmm. It's just, let's make the sale. Let's get through today. And that's okay. Sometimes that's all we can do is just get through today. But if we can train ourselves to think long-term, to think in terms of legacy, you mentioned legacy. Um, my grandfather was all about legacy. You know, it was faith and family were the most important things. And all the other stuff was just details in the tapestry of life. And so what does legacy mean to you? Me, legacy to me means living a life worth living and a life that extends beyond just the here and now. Um, you ever seen the movie Coco? Uh-huh. The Disney movie Coco? I love Coco for lots of different reasons. My little girl thinks it's so much fun. So we've watched it a few different times. For those who might be unfamiliar with it, Coco is a movie that follows a boy by the name of Miguel. About, he learns about the Day of the Dead, a holiday celebrated throughout Latin America. Um, and on it, in the movie, the, those on the living, the side of the living, this Miguel kid, he goes to the other side and he sees some family members and he has some interactions. Well, with one of these characters he has an interaction with, they talk about the second death. And for them in this movie, the second death is when the people on our side forget Uh about the people on the other side. And so when people ask me, what is a legacy? I think of that scene in that movie, because if you have created a real legacy, your memory and the lessons and the experiences and the impact that you have created on this side extends beyond your lifetime. Whether that is, in the case of like my grandfather, these lessons he taught me and my other cousins or the experiences he gave them, that is real legacy. Part of the equation might be wealth. You know, it might be something you do with your money that extends beyond like Andrew Carnegie and, and J.D. Rockefeller. They're some of the wealthiest people in history, frankly. And they have legacies that still continue today because of their philanthropy and their charity, but that's just one aspect of it. And it, in my opinion, gets an outsized influence when you think of legacy. They always, people are always thinking, oh, it's just it's the money. It's the money side of things. Well, no, not really. In my opinion, that's just a pretty small piece of it. That's one part of it. But if you just gave the money and there's nothing else attached to it, then it loses its meaning that much quicker as well. So, yeah, that's what a legacy is. That's fantastic. You know, and I recently spoke to a woman who worked in hospice quite a bit, and she said that she found that most of these people who are facing the end of their lives were not afraid of death as much as they were afraid of being forgotten. And she taught, you know, write your story and have that be a way to help preserve your legacy. But the things that we do and the things that we pass on can create that beautiful legacy. That's that's great. So next time I see Coco, I will be thinking of you. And next time I see Mary Poppins, I'm going to be thinking of you. So well, thank you. Those you are, are now a, a part of my head. <laughs> so there you go. So what is your investment philosophy? As we talk about money, it is a facet. It's not the only facet, but it does matter. Because if we're in a, in a place where we're just struggling and scraping for money all the time, like, like I said, mentioned my neighbors who are both working double jobs trying to make ends meet, there's no time to live at all. So how can we help get from that kind of a situation to some more financial freedom? Well, first, my first thought is every situation is unique, first and foremost, right? I mean, I, I, I can give certain ideas and uh, perspectives 
but frankly, the individual game plan is going to include them. Okay. That is, that is good advice. I mean, because frankly, the world is always looking for the, the one hit wonder. The world's always looking for what's the one thing I can do and it's going to solve all my problems. And that's just not reality, especially with something as complex and as emotionally charged as money, period. Um, in my opinion, every family has to do the hard work to figure out how to go from A to Z. You can get assistance and you can get input and perspectives from professionals. Of course, that's what they're there for, to help us. But at the end of the day, it has to be your own. And you have to find the solution that works for you. Um, so how do we get from, start, when you just say, starving college student to, you know, uh, building your small army? Um General principles, because this is generally, but how they apply is going to be different for each family. But general principles is you got to get a handle on your cash flow. You know, if, if anyone who's listening to this has read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, you know that he preaches cash flow. But then you listen to guys like Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman who are like, oh, you know, you got to just focus on getting out of debt. It's all about the budget, 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 budget. Well, they're all saying the same thing, but in just using different terminology. At the end of the day, you have to learn to control your finances, period. And controlling them is controlling the, the flow of cash, whether that's spending or earning. It goes both ways. Um, and so each family has to find a system, in my opinion, that helps them both know exactly where they're at at any time and be able to manage the in and out and think about those decisions instead of just swipe, 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 like, or click, 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 we're talking Amazon. Um, in, in today's world, right? Um, so the first thing is just knowing where you're at and being able to clearly and accurately know where you're at all the time um, and then being able to control that flow. Because frankly, you'll never move from A to B, let alone A to Z, if you can't know where you're at and have some measure of control over where you're going. Um, and I think that's true of any goal in life, right? Even if your goal is to lose weight, you still need to have an accurate representation of where am I right now. You can't just say, oh, I need to lose uh, 20 pounds. When maybe you only need to lose 10. Or, you know, maybe weight's not even a thing you should be focusing on. Maybe it should be something else. But you need to accurately see where you are now and then know what levers you need to pull in order to control your progress towards that goal. It's the same with any goal in life. So when you ask, what advice would I give to you know people? What's my investment philosophy? Frankly, investing doesn't even come into the equation until step G or M. You know, later on, you first have to master the basic principles of the cash flow within your family and mastering where am I now and where am I going so you can get yourself pointed in the right direction. Okay. So if I'm trying to figure out where, where I am today, what do I need to do to find out where I am? Well, this is going to sound a little bit nerdy, but um, you need to be able to see your numbers. And more often than not, people say, well, oh, I, have, I can see my bank account. I know what my bank account balance is. Well, that's okay. That's true. But that's just one part of the input. Um, I'm an accountant by background. I'm a CPA, like you mentioned, a certified public accountant. And so for me, there are what are called financial statements um, in business. And every family has the equivalent. It's called your personal financial statement, um, PFS. And in my opinion, if you couldn't fill one of those out and see where you are right now, you don't have any clarity. Or if you haven't done one in the last, say, year, you don't know exactly where you're at. You might be able to guess eh, within a couple grand, maybe, what I'm spending on a monthly basis. 
But those personal financial statements are going to have what's called your balance sheet which or your statement of net worth, which says, these are all of my assets. These are all of my liabilities. What does that net out to be? What is my actual net worth? Then you're going to have another one over here that says, this is my income. These are all of my expenses and where I'm, I'm spending it. But then the real power comes when you have comparative, which means this was where I was this month. This is where I was last month, two months ago, three months ago, and so forth. Because then you start to see trends. Then you can see spikes. Then you can say, where, what was I doing here? Why is this going up? Well, how could I reverse that? Or, oh, this is the, this income amount's going up. Great. What did I do differently these last few months that enabled me to do that? Or what could I do to replicate that? Or what was this one-off thing that I could then anticipate next time so that it doesn't happen again? And as you see clearly, money is numbers. And if you can see clearly your numbers within your financials, that enables you to then clearly see where you're at and then be able to make a, a path going forward. Okay. So is that like a sheet that we can download? Oh, yeah. You can actually just Google it, personal financial statements, and you can get an idea of what those look like. I've created some that I use actually in just my own personal family <laughs> that we use just a straight Google sheet. Um, actually, I mean, I'd be happy to share something like that if you'd like with your guests. That actually would be very easy. helpful because I think when we talk about looking at numbers, and you mentioned before that you're really good at looking at the financial statements and being able to say, oh, I can see where it is. Or for most people, when they look at that, they think, well, that's that's where they would fall asleep standing up, you know, watching the thing. <laughs> so, um, so to be able to say, okay, this is this matters because this is about me. And, and it's something hopefully that's small enough and doable enough that I can put these numbers and fill this out and get an idea of where I am. Something like that would be very, very helpful, I think, for everybody. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm happy to share what I've got. I mean, Do I'll we just admit, go I, to I've your never website had anyone ask or? me for that. And in hindsight, that seems like a gross oversight. Frankly, I should create something like that and give it away because it would be super beneficial for that so would be people. fantastic something like that on your on your website because I, I will include the links to where you're going can they maybe get just a pdf a, a download of, of just yeah something I'll, like that? Uh, I'll work on creating something here and i'll have it ready before this episode goes out how about that i love it i think that that creates something that is tangible and specific and concrete so that we can begin working on this i love when we talk about things i love to be inspired like oh that would be a great thing to do but i also like to have small specific action steps. Because if it's just kind of this pie in the sky, all of these changes that I have to make, it feels overwhelming. And so then I just do exactly what I'm doing now. Where if it's something that's tiny and concrete and specific, then it's, oh, I can take one step. And then if we take one step and we don't trip and fall and die, then we realize, oh, then I can take a second step and I can take a third step and we're able to move forward rather than just staying where we are. So that would be fantastic. I believe that you would be creating a very valuable resource that could help a lot of people. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. That is awesome. Is there anything else that you want to make sure we cover today? No, um, I would just encourage anyone who's listening to this. When you think of success, when you think of legacy, when you think of financial health and financial freedom, just remember what is the purpose behind it all? That's not the money. That's just the tool. So think about what does that really actually mean to you? And then play the long game. Point yourself in that direction. Get an accurate picture of where you're at. And you'll get there. Fantastic. Rav, thank you so much for being here with me today. And thank you for all the wisdom that you have shared. Well, thank you, Linda. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed this. I have too. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Robert Kiyosaki. He said, more important than the how we achieve financial freedom is the why. Find your reasons why you want to be free and wealthy. 
Today, I invite you to ponder on the reasons why you want to be financially free and begin to believe that you can achieve that financial freedom. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thank you.